Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. We're in a series that we've titled Breathe Easy. And uh, what we're doing in this series, we are learning how to live healthier, more sustainable lives. We're talking about how to make better choices, how to have a better approach, how to have a better way of life so that our lives are not tense, so that our lives are not always running on empty, so that our lives are not always feeling like a rat race. On the very first week, I gave everybody a rubber band. And I gave them, and I gave them a rubber band because a rubber band is able to stretch but it's supposed to return because if you keep a rubber band stretch, it loses its elasticity. It loses its purpose. And in life, we have seasons, we have moments where we're pulled, where we're stretched, where we got to give more than 100% of our life. But, but the important thing is that we cannot live like that all the time. That we are to be healthier, that we are to be able to make better choices so that we do not lose our purpose. Because tension and stress and weariness can rob you of your life purpose. So we've been talking and uh, we, we, we're going to look at five key areas of our life. We've already talked about three of them. First week, we spoke about your social life. We said that your friends not only uh, mold your character but that they also shape your destiny. They also can tell you where you're going to end up. And we spoke about the kind of friends not to have and the kind of friend not to be. The second week, we spoke about our mind. We said that our mind matters because how we feel, uh, what we think affects how we feel and how we feel affects the actions that we make. Last week, we spoke while Many of you guys were uh, safe in the storm. That really wasn't a storm, right? Aren't we grateful it wasn't really a storm? It was more like a strong shower. <laughs> Praise God, right? We spoke last week about caring for our physical bodies. And I think that is one of the areas where as Christians, if you're not a Christian, I think this may still apply to you. I think that's one of the areas that as Christians, we neglect the most. We really don't treat our bodies the way God wants us to. And we spoke about the value. We spoke about the importance. We said that our bodies are the physical temple of the Holy Spirit. And that we are to care for them. Because when we don't care for our bodies, it affects our life, right? When you get sick, it's hard to be a good parent. When, you're always, when you can't focus, it's hard to do your job. And it's important for us to care for our physical bodies. Today, I want to speak about the, the fourth area. And the fourth area that we need to make better choices, where we need to be stronger, where we need to be healthier, is your spiritual life, your spiritual vitality. Let me begin with the question. And again, if this is your first time, I like to ask a lot of questions, not to make you feel guilty, but to get you to think, to get you to reflect, to, to, to get you uh, uh, just to help you out. Here's a question. How strong would you say you are spiritually? Not physically, right? Alex, who plays the bass, 
Sometimes I'll go to the gym, and no matter how many weights I post that I'm lifting, he's always challenging me to lift more. Lightweight. Right? He says lightweight. He says, put, put a few more plates on there, right? Uh, so I know, I know that, for example, that, for example, with the dumbbells, the max I've done is 55 on each hand. Okay? I could do like eight reps. But spiritually, how, spiritually, how strong are you? Because listen to me, here's why this is important before you check out, okay? There is no other area that impacts your whole life like your spiritual life. There is no area that can influence, change, and improve the condition of your life. Not just in eternity, but here, like your spiritual vitality. So if you had to evaluate yourself, and I'm not asking you to tell me how strong you are. I'm asking you to answer and tell yourself how strong you are. If you had to evaluate yourself and say, well, if one is where I am a baby in my spiritual life and 10 is where I am a spiritual giant, right? Not that you're perfect, but but that you're strong. Where are you in that range? How strong are you spiritually? Because nothing will impact your life like the condition of your spiritual life. Can I prove that to you? If you would open your bulletins inside, there's an outline. You can pull that out and follow along with me. Look at what 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says. Paul writing to Timothy tells him the following. He says, train yourself to what? To be godly. We're going to look at that in just a minute. Look at verse 8. For physical training is of what? Some value. It's good, for you, it's good for you to go for a walk. It's good for you to go to the gym. It's good for you to eat a salad once in a while instead of a concha. It's good for you. Right? He says, for physical training is of some value. Look at this next part. But godliness has value for what? All things. Can... can Can godliness help me be a better student? Yes. Can godliness help me be a better parent? Yes. Can godliness help me be a better citizen? Yes. Can godliness help me to be a better athlete? Yes. Because godliness has value for what? All things. And just in case, just in case you got a butt, right? Look at this next part. Holding promise for both the present life and the what? And the life to come. Now, I want to point out two things that Paul says in that passage. The beginning and the end. At the beginning, Paul says, train yourself for godliness. Here's the first thing you got to know. Godliness is not automatic. Godliness, you don't become godlier just by not doing nothing. He says, you have to train yourself. Training requires a plan, requires intentionality, requires desire, and most importantly, requires discipline. If you think that you are going to become a godlier Christian just because you've been a Christian for 10 years, you're wrong. I know Christians that have been Christians for a long time and they're still in the infant stage because they've never trained for godliness. Second thing that I want you to notice is that Paul says that godliness is not, not only has value for the life to come, and I'll tell you what that means. 
without godliness, you cannot inherit heaven. Without Jesus washing you of your sins, without Jesus making you perfect before the Father, we cannot enter heaven. So if you think that you're going to go to heaven just because you haven't killed anybody, you're wrong. If you think that you're going to go to heaven because you're not a bad person, you're wrong. It's not perfect people that go to heaven. It's forgiven people that go to heaven. So Paul says godliness not only has value for the life to come, but also for this life. See, one of the mistakes that we often make as well as Christians is that sometimes we can think so much about heaven and that's where it matters that we forget about here. And I don't know, I don't know about you. I know that the best of my life will be in heaven, but life here doesn't have to be miserable. Life here doesn't have to be horrible. Godliness is a value for all things. Can godliness help you in your marriage? Absolutely. Can godliness help you with your mental health? Absolutely. Can godliness help you with your physical care? Absolutely. Can godliness make you a better driver? Oh, you better bet it can. Godliness has value for all things. So here's the question. If, if a strong spiritual life is so important, how do I develop a strong spiritual life? How do I become stronger spiritually? Well, look at what the American writer Ralph Waldo Emerson said. He said the following. I'm pretty sure you've heard this before. Look at what he said. They'll have it up here in the screens. He said, sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an act and you reap a what? A habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap what? Destiny. How can we get spiritually stronger? Well, the Bible has something called spiritual discipline, spiritual habits. And a habit is not just something that you do repeatedly. A habit is something that has the potential to shape and take you to a better destiny. Let me put it to you this way. If you have bad habits, guess what your destiny is going to look like? If you keep eating conchas at night, every night, <laughs> when you're 55, Manolo's age, not yet, not yet. When you're, if you keep eating poorly, what's going to happen to you when you're older? You're going to pay for it. If you keep staying up late and not getting good sleep while you're young, what's going to happen when you're older? Bad habits lead you to what? A bad future. Now, if you have good habits, what do you think your future is going to look like? If you get up... And your habits, your routines, the things that you do are good things. What do you think it's going to produce in your life? Good things. So, again, second question, not to make you feel guilty. What kind of habits do you have? What kind of disciplines do you have? What does your routine look like? I know not every day looks the same, but for the most part, what are the things that you always do? Are they good? Are they going to make you a healthier person? 
And most importantly, are they helping you to be a godlier person? Now, listen to me. Habits lead us to our destiny. Habits shape our destiny. And for the Christian, for those of us that have placed our faith in Jesus, what is the ultimate destiny? What is it that we should be aiming for? Well, the good thing is that we don't have to guess because the Bible tells us. Look at what Ephesians 4.13 says. It says, then we will be what? Mature, just as Christ is. And we will be what? Completely like him. The goal for you and me is to be more and more like Jesus. The goal for you and me is to behave more like Jesus. And spiritual disciplines, these spiritual habits will help us to be spiritually stronger and to be more like Jesus. So what I want to do today is I want to give you seven disciplines, seven habits to help you be stronger. Now, seven, I don't know if you know this, but seven in the Bible is the number of completion, is the number of maturity. So I thought it was a good number, right? So we're going to look at seven. Let's look at them together. Number one, the first spiritual habit that strengthens your spiritual life, you ready for this? Is a heart of worship. Is a heart of worship. Look at what Hebrews 12, 28 says. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, look at this. Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and what? Oh, worship is not about you. Did you know that? Worship is not about me. Worship is about God. So if you're the kind of Christian that says, oh, I just can't get into worship because they don't play my songs. You got to correct that. Right? Because the last time I looked, it wasn't you who died on the cross. So the first discipline that will help you to be spiritually mature is to develop a heart of worship. Did you know, listen to me, The number one duty of every Christian is to worship. Do you know why we incorporate songs into our service? Now, let me make a distinction before I answer that question. Worship is not just music, okay? Worship is not just music. Worship, music is part of worship. But worship is doing anything with the Lord in mind. You can mop and worship God. You can iron clothes and worship God. You can work for a bad boss and worship God. If you're doing it with God in mind, anything you do with God in mind and for God's glory is an act of worship unto God. Amen. Now, having said that, let me talk about the music aspect. Why do we incorporate worship music into our service? To keep you here a little bit longer? To show off our musicians? No, because worship connects us with God. Worship puts our eyes on God. Worship helps us to declare the truth of God. Worship makes a big deal out of God. In worship, God connects with us. In worship, his presence fills our heart. In worship, God elevates us above any situation. That is why we worship. So let me tell you something. Next time we are worshiping, one of the worst things you could do is just be standing there like a statue. We worship him 
Has God been good to you this week? Has God been faithful to you this week? So you think God deserves that you and I show up to church maybe late for worship and still come and be? Worship. Worship will help you to be more like God. Worship will connect you with God. Let me tell you, when the enemy hits you and it hurts, your first response should be to worship. Because worship brings the presence of God into any and every situation. Do you know why we have our kids during worship? Because we want them to learn to worship. That's why I have my kids up here and I constantly have to be telling them, guys, it's time to worship. Let's raise our hands. Let's sing. Because I want to develop in them a heart for worship. That when they're hurting, when they're happy, they'll worship. That when they don't know what to do, they'll worship. That when, when they are being tempted, that they would worship. Because worship will help you to be spiritually strong. Right? So we don't worship God just on Sundays. You can worship him at all times. Sometimes I'm in my car and I'll put worship music and I'll cry and people look at me, you know, I'm driving in traffic and they'll look at me like probably my wife just left me. But what they don't know is that I am in the, in the car with God's presence. So the first habit, the first habit, that's why Sundays are important because we get to worship as a family. The first habit that will help you to have a strong spiritual life is a heart of worship. Amen. Your heart's going to worship something. It could be your kids. It could be your job. It could be anything. So make sure that your heart is a heart of worship towards God. Amen. Amen. Number two, the second habit that helps you to be spiritually strong is the habit of remaining in God's word. Is the habit of remaining in God's word. John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said the following. This is Jesus talking, all right? It's not me, so don't get mad at me, all right? Jesus said to the people who what? Believed in him. You are truly my disciples. If what? If you go to church? If you vote Republican? If you're involved in a team? No, he says, you are truly my disciples. If what? If you remain faithful to what? My teachings. Jesus said that what makes a disciple a disciple is that they remain in God's word. Did you know that every, every Christian begins as a believer? It is our faith in Jesus, right? It is, it is believing that he died for us. It is believing that we need his forgiveness that brings us into a relationship with God. And every Christian begins as a believer. But being a believer is not where we ought to stay. The next step needs to be disciple, where we become a disciple, where we follow Christ, where we learn what Christ did. And did you know the number one requirement to go from a believer to a disciple? What is the number one requirement? The word of God. Because you cannot follow God if you don't know his will. And the only way to know his will is through his word. You cannot agree with God unless you know what God has said. And the only way to know what God has said is not through a horoscope or asking Google. It's by going to God's word. Amen. We need to remain. Listen, 
Can, can, can I just be brutally? Yes. Can I just be brutally honest with you? Yes. I don't buy that you don't have time for God's word. And I don't think God buys it either. Because isn't it funny that we got time to text and TikTok and, and we got time for all these other things. We, got, we can make time for God's word. Yes. And listen, I'm not telling you that you need to spend five hours in God's word. If you could do that, great. But at least every day, hopefully at the beginning of your day, you need to be in God's word. You need to let it shape your day, shape your mind, guide your spirit, and let you hear God's word for your life. If you do not own a Bible, buy one today. We'll give you one today, okay? May not be the best Bible, but it's still God's word. But you got to get in God's word. The, 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 the thing that will help you to go from a believer to a disciple is to know God's word. Number three, the third habit to strengthen your spiritual life. You ready for this? You got to prioritize prayer. You got to prioritize prayer. I'm not just saying you got to pray. I'm saying you got to prioritize it. It's got to be one of your first and most natural responses. Look at what Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It's a very well-known passage. Look at it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, what? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live what? In Jesus Christ. Look at what the Apostle Paul says here. He says, you got two options in every situation in life. To worry or to pray. And if you worry, you're not going to pray. And if you pray, you're not going to worry. So in every situation, we need to learn to prioritize prayer. Now listen to me. If you only pray when you have emergencies, your life will be an emergency. You know what I've noticed about people that have a prayer life? That they often don't have as many emergencies as people who don't have a prayer life. Now let me tell you what I mean by that, okay? I feel I need to clarify something. The Bible tells us that we are to pray without ceasing, that we are to pray all the time, right? Now, that doesn't mean you need to be at church in your knees praying at all times. It means you can be in communication with God throughout the day. That as you're driving, God, help me with what's going to happen at work today. That as you are driving your kids to school, God, help me not to choke these kids today. (laughs) Right? That you're constantly in communication with God. Listen to me. We got to do that. And I think most of us do that. You know where the big failure is? That we also need to set a specific time where we are praying. Not driving and praying. Not mowing the lawn and praying. Not washing dishes and praying. A time where we sit and God has our complete and undivided attention where we tell God, God, I got other things going on, but the most important thing right now, it's you. And I think that's where we're failing. And we think that just because we're in communication with God throughout the day, we have a strong prayer life. Those of you that are married, how effective would it be 
Or how effective has it been in the past when you and your spouse don't make time to connect without distractions? Where you're just communicating as life's going on. You know what happens? You tend to grow apart, don't you? There tends to be a lot of frustration. There tends to be a lot more arguments. And God deserves that we have a specific time. I would say weekly where we say, Lord, I am taking 10 minutes. I am taking 30 minutes. I am taking an hour to just connect with you. I'm not going to mow the lawn. I'm not going to be putting the baby to sleep. I'm not going to be passing the vacuum and talking to you. No, 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 no. It's just you and me. And we need to prioritize prayer. I asked you, how strong is your spiritual life? Let me ask you another question. How much power do you have as a Christian? I'll give you a really extreme scenario. Okay, you ready for this? I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just going to go into an extreme scenario. If you walked into a house and a demon manifested, what would you do? How confident will you feel that you have the power and the authority to cast that demon out? You want me to tell you that if you're not praying, you don't have much power as a Christian. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. That's why some of you hear stuff in your house and you're like in the name of Jesus. And nothing happens because you are lacking power. And that power comes from being in God's presence in prayer. We got to prioritize prayer. We got to be people of prayer. Number four, number four. The fourth habit to strengthen your spiritual life. You ready? Here's another one. It's another one. Okay. Is the habit of tithing faithfully. The habit of tithing faithfully. And, and, and here's, here, here's the question. Here's the question before you kind of check out on this one. And no, I'm not going to ask you for money, okay? You can rest. I'm not going to ask you for money, okay? And I'm not going to make you feel guilty for not giving money, okay? So, so, so you can breathe easy. I'm not, I'm not here to guilt you, okay? I do want to teach you what God's word says. How does tithing, how does giving money to God, okay, help me to be, help me with my spiritual life? How? Simple. Because it teaches you to put God first. Because it teaches you to really act on what you say you believe. Because tithing honors God. Because in tithing we say, Lord, I got a plan for that money, but I'm going to trust that you can take care of me regardless of how much I have or don't have. Tithing is an act of obedience and worship. So look at what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 14.23. Look at this. What does it say? Bring, bring this tithe to the designated place of worship. Let me stop right there. Why does it say bring and not give? Because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. And let me tell you, the Bible is very clear that at least 10% belongs to the Lord. I believe that there are scenarios, and I say this humbly, where more than 10% of our income belongs to the Lord. Lorena and I have chosen to give to the Lord more than 10%. And he says, bring, because it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. 
He's trusting you with it because he wants you to trust him back. So you don't give, you don't, you don't pay your tithes. No, you just bring back to God what belongs to God. Amen. Amen? Look at what he says. Bring this tithe to what? To the designated place of worship. I, I've realized that everybody tithes, but just not to the place of worship. Some of you tithe to Starbucks. Some of you tithe to Macy's. Amazon is getting many, many tithes. <laughs> What do you mean by that, pastor? Well, you've taken what belongs to God and you've given it to some other place. And he says, bring this tie to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God has chosen for his name to be what? Honor. Look at this. Doing this will teach you always to fear what? The Lord. Let me tell you something. Did you know that tithing is a test? Did you know that every time you get paid, you are given a test by God? I'm serious. You know what that test is? That is a test of who you will worship and who you will thank for your income. If the first thing you do is go pay your bills, go pay MasterCard, that's who you're thanking for what you have. Tithing is a test. Now, let me tell you something. If you are not tithing, and just so you don't feel bad, do you want to know what the percentage of Christians that tithe? And let me tell you, some people give, but they don't tithe. They don't do 10%. They do less. They throw 20 bucks, five bucks, you know. They tip waiters more than they give to God. But that's for another story, okay? Not here, not here. Just other places, right? <laughs> do you know what the percentage of people that tithe is in the American church? You ready for this? You can say ouch after I, I give you the number. 10%. 10% of our church is maintaining 100% of our church. 90% of most Christians do not tithe. They fail the test paycheck after paycheck after paycheck. Now, hear me out. If you're not tithing, you're not a bad person. Okay, please hear me out. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. If you're not tithing, you're not a bad person. You're not a heathen, okay? You're not, but, but here's, here's what is true. If you're not tithing, you are robbing yourself from the blessing of God trusting you with more. And you, you may say, well, I'm doing fine. Let me tell you, you are not doing as fine as you would if you would trust God. Because let me, let, let me give you an illustration. Let's say that I was going to go away for a long time and I left Lorena with a good amount of money, but I also chose, let's say I took Mark, Mimi, and Manolo and say, hey guys, you know, I love Lorena so much. I want to make sure she's taken care of. So each of you, I'm going to send you $1,000 every week and I want you to give Lorena 100 bucks. You could keep the 900, but just give Lorena 100 bucks. I want her to be blessing flowing into her life, right? And after a couple of months, I come and I say, Lorena, has Mark, Mimi, and Manolo been giving you money? And she says, well, you know, Mark, Mark every week blessed me with $100. What about Mimi, Lorena? You know, Nestor, Mimi also every week just generously blessed me with $100. 
And what about Manolo, Lorena? <laughs> well, you know, Manolo, Manolo's great and he's so encouraging, but for some odd reason, he was only giving me 20 bucks. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that's true. I'm using this as an illustration. Who do you think I'm going to want to give more? Who do you think I'm going to want to bless more? Those that are obeying what I said or those that are taking what belongs to me and using it for other things. Tithing helps you to put the Lord first, to trust him and to see him move. The other day, I don't know if I said this or not. The other day, Maisie um, asked us for an allowance. She, she wants to start buying things. And she said, Dad, if I pick up all the dog poop and wash dishes, can you give me five bucks at the end of the month? I was like, man, that's awesome. Five bucks? Sure. <laughs> so because Lorena is a little bit more generous, she said, you know, I think we ought to do 20. And uh, they have chores. These are extra chores, okay? They have their own chores. We don't pay them to do their own bed. We don't pay them to pick up their own clothes. We don't pay them to pick up their own mess. That's their responsibility. They do chores that don't necessarily belong to them, like picking up the dog's poop, washing dishes, helping mom with other stuff. So anyways, so we gave Maisley, and I told her, deal, baby, we'll do it. And I said, well, one condition, that, that you learn to tithe from what we give you. You know why I asked her to do that? Because I, I want to set her up to be blessed. I want to set her up so that when she's older, God's blessing is upon her. So if you're not tithing, you're not a bad person. You're just not as blessed as you could be. And if you trust God, you'll grow spiritually. Amen? Let me hurry up. Number five, number five. The fifth habit to strengthen your spiritual, your spiritual life is to live in community. To live in community. For those of you that have been Christians for a while, you got to live in fellowship. Look at what Hebrews 10.25 says. And it says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is what? It's near. Hear me out, church. The Christian life is not meant to be alone. The Christian life is not about you going to church on Sunday and being disconnected from your Christian community for the rest of the week. You need others. You need the prayers of others. You need the encouragement of others. You need the fellowship of others. You need the relationship of others. And you know what? Others need you too. Others need your prayers. Others need your smile. Others need your encouragement. Others need your presence. And one of the things that the enemy wants to do is isolate you. Because when you're isolated, you're an easier target. When you're not connected, when you're not living in communities, you could go back to doing drugs and nobody will notice. Why? Because you're not connected to anybody. When you're not in community, you can skip church for a whole month and nobody will notice but me because you're not in community. And I know, I know that if you got kids or even if you don't have kids, it's easy to fill up our life. But here's the thing. Life will hit you hard. And when it does, who is going to be there for you? And before you blame the rest of the church for not being there, the first thing you got to check, was I connected to anybody? The Bible says that by the way we love each other, 
That by our relationships, people would know that we are followers of Christ. So what do you think it says when we come to church and we stare at the back of somebody's head and then we go home and return the next Sunday? We got to be in community. One of my desires as your pastor is that every single one of us would be in a life group, would be in a community. That you would connect with other people. Listen, we average, on average, about 130 adults and, and youth, not counting kids. About 130. Do you know how many of you are in a life group, are in community? Less than half. So let me talk to the other half, not to make you feel guilty. But let me just talk to you for a minute. Honest, sincere question. What do I got to do as a pastor to get you into community? What do I got to do to encourage you to be blessed by others and to allow yourself to be a blessing to others? You got to be in community. I know people are hard, but you know what? People are also wonderful. I know people give you headaches, but people also bless you. I know people get in the way, but you know what? Sometimes they help you on the way. Community is necessary. If you're not in a community, get in a life group, get in a team, be somewhere. Because living isolated will keep you in darkness, will keep you in your sin, and nobody will know, and you'll easily fall. Number six. Let me go number six. The sixth habit to strengthen your, your spiritual life is you got to serve somewhere. Serve somewhere. Look at what Romans 12, 6 says. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us what? Use them. Every single one of us has a place to serve. Every single one of us. The Holy Spirit has given us a gift so that we can be a blessing to others. We got to use them. You will grow when you begin to serve other people. You will mature. You will feel closer to God when you begin to serve other people. And let me tell you something. I believe that Dayspring is not a perfect church, but I believe Dayspring is a wonderful church. Okay? But you want to know something? I got some bad news too. Out of 130 adults, you know how many are serving? About 45. About 45. So where's the other, I'm horrible at math. Where's the other 95? Can you imagine? Picture with me for just a minute. Can you imagine what Dayspring would be if everybody was serving somewhere? Can you imagine if every time we came to church, everybody was serving someone? This place would rock. This place would be more wonderful than it already is. So if you're not serving somewhere, you know, I don't know that there's any other church that does this. It's very likely that there is. But one of the things that we want to do in Dayspring is that we just want you to serve one Sunday a month. One Sunday a month. Not even every Sunday. One Sunday a month. So you only got to get up early one Sunday a month. The other days you can keep coming late. Well, you really shouldn't. But I'm just. <laughs> serve somewhere. Serve. You got something to do. Not everybody can sing like Heliana and Susie and the guys up here. Not everybody can play like Stephen and, and, and the guys. But there's something you can do. You could do a coffee. You could fold a bulletin. You could help us blow. You know, 
Every Sunday, I don't know that I've ever said this, every Sunday, I'm grateful for everybody who serves. But one of the, one of the individuals that touches my heart the most is Angel Delgado. Because Angel Delgado is up there in age. And he's got all kinds of health issues. But did you know that the guy Sunday after Sunday comes early? He helps us open the gates. He puts signs out. He blows so that when you come, it's nice and clean. Sunday after Sunday. I saw him this morning. I said, Angel, how you doing? Are you ready for the summer? And he said, man, my sciatica is killing me. But you know what? He, as he said that, he was pulling the signs, taking them to their place. So don't let Angel outdo you. You're young. You're healthy. You got no back pain. Serve somewhere. And then last but not least, you got to activate your faith. You got to activate your faith. And, and, and I'll finish with this. Look at this. Matthew 9, 29 says the following. According to your faith, let it be what? Done. Jesus said that. He said, according to your faith is how I'm going to respond. Your faith moves God. And listen, when things get tough, it's not a time to go back to drugs. It's not a time to go back to drinking. It's not time to go back to misery. It's a time to activate your faith and say, man, these are the things we sing. These are the things that I read. These are the things that Pastor Nestor preaches. These are the things that I'm going to believe. The gospel was not for when things weren't going well. The gospel is strong when things are not. And you got to activate your faith. You got to say, man, you know, I believe God loves me, so I'm going to give faithfully. I believe God has chosen me and gifted me, so I'm going to serve somewhere. I believe that I got something to offer, so I'm going to get in community. I believe that prayer works, so I'm going to pray. I believe that God has been good, so I'm going to worship him. Activate your faith. Faith is dead. Faith is useless if you don't put feet on it. It's easy to say, I believe. I believe I could do this. I believe this could happen. But can you start walking in that direction? Can you say, you know, here's what I know about God. Here's what I believe. So I'm going to act like that's true. Activate your faith. Faith, activating your faith will help you grow. There's some things that I am believing God is going to do in my life. And I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. The biggest of which, and you know this, is my dad's situation. And we're not giving up. We continue to pray. We continue to ask. We continue to plan that he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. I don't know when. And, and according to my liking, it's already taken too long. But my faith is active in believing that in spite of what I see, I know God is going to do something. Maybe for you, maybe you're sick. Maybe the doctors have given you some bad news. Well, believe that God can heal you. Believe that God can take care of you. Maybe, maybe for you, it's in a relationship, whether it is your marriage or with your children or a family member. But you believe that God can, can mend it, that God can heal it. Well, walk that direction. Walk towards reconciliation. Walk towards God. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't file for a divorce. Don't, don't block them on Facebook. Activate your faith. Amen? You know what I believe? No, here's what I know. All these seven habits 
we offer them here in Day Spring. So if you wanted to do any of these, which you should, you don't have to go find another church. You could do it here. We provide the environment for you to be stronger, to grow in your spiritual walk. It's up to you to want to. And I pray that you do. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.